Welcome, Welcome to the Author Factor Podcast, the show for profitable insights and tips with business owners, entrepreneurs, and CEOs who use their nonfiction book to create the ultimate competitive advantage and grow their business. Grow their business. Grow their business. Here's your host, Amazon best-selling author and book publishing coach, Mike Capuzzi. Welcome to another profitable episode of the Author Factor Podcast. I'm Mike Capuzzi, and I want to thank you for joining us. My guest today is Dr. Debbie Silber. Debbie is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and is a holistic psychologist and a health, mindset, and personal development expert. She is the author of six books, including Trust Again, and is a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman and From Hardened to Healed, The Effortless Path to Release Resistance, Get Unstuck, and Create a Life You Love. Debbie, welcome to the Author Factor Podcast. Thanks so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, and you know, as you and I were getting to know each other before this, I was very intrigued by your area of specialty. I think, unfortunately, many people have, have been affected by betrayal in some capacity. And the fact that you've you know, really niched what you, you know, who you serve and how you serve them, I think is just really an interesting story, which I want to hear about. So if you don't mind, let's start off by talking about, you know, your business, you know, who do you serve, how you serve them. And I also want you to go into your, your PhD study, because it was very interesting to me, um, this in-depth study you had and, and the three discoveries you uh, uncovered during that study. Sure. Well, of course, no one studies betrayal because you like the topic, you know, you study because you have to. It's actually my 30th year in business. And I started in health and then mindset and personal development. And then I had a really painful betrayal from my family, uh, thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. And then it happened a few years later. This time it was my husband. That was the deal breaker. So, uh, you know, got him out of the house and looked at the two experiences thinking what's similar to these two, of course, me, but what else? And I realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my needs seriously. And I'm one of those believers that if nothing changes, nothing changes. So here it was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I said, I'm going back for a PhD. Like a book wasn't going to get me out of this jam. I needed a whole PhD in it. And it was in a transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. And while I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. I'm sure they're articulated in your book. Is there something that you could sort of just at a high level describe, you know, what those discoveries are oh, for our sure. listeners? Yeah. So the first discovery was, uh, you know, betrayal felt like a very different type of experience for me than other traumas. I had been through death of, of, of a loved one. I'd been through disease, but I was like, nope, betrayal feels so different. I didn't want to assume it was the same for all my study participants. So I asked him, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, is it different for you? Unanimously, they said it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self is shattered. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust are trashed, and they all need to be rebuilt. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total rebuild, not just of your life, but of yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that was the first discovery, that betrayal is a different type of trauma. 
The second discovery, uh, this was interesting too, uh, it was discovered that there's actually this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've actually, um, we have a quiz on the site, the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, to see to what extent people are struggling. A few things about that. The first thing is, we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Um, there's a question on the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago, I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 40 years ago, I can still feel the pain. My betrayal happened 10 years ago, feels like it happened yesterday. So we know you cannot count on time or a new relationship to heal a betrayal. It needs a very specific protocol to heal from it. And um, I mean, I'm happy to share statistics from the quiz, just to see if that would serve. Yeah, okay, sure. Mike, it would be really awkward and weird if you said no right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now imagine 70,000 plus people, men, women, just about every country. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. 94% deal with painful triggers. The most common physical symptoms, 71% have low energy, 68% have extreme fatigue, 47% uh, have weight changes. So in the beginning, you know, you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have a digestive issue, and that could be anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. The most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed, 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief, 68% can't focus, 64% are in shock, 62% can't concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate, you're exhausted, you have a gut issue, you still have to raise your kids, you still have to work. That's not even the emotional issues. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness, 83% are very angry. Real common to bounce back and forth between those two things. 82% feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed, just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward and 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. You know what's even more staggering about those statistics? First of all, you didn't hear me say one thing, 20%, 30%. These numbers are high. To me, what's even crazier is these stats aren't necessarily from something that recently happened. This can be something that happened decades ago. So now imagine your parent who did something awful, the girlfriend or boyfriend who hurt you in high school. These people may not even know, care, or even remember. And here we are 30, 40, 50 years later, hypervigilant with a gut issue, exhausted because of something from back then. That's the tra That's what's tragic. Was that the second or third discovery? Just because I want to make sure. Okay. That was the second. Oh, we didn't even get to my favorite one. <laughs> oh, so, so this was, this third discovery to me was the most exciting. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean all those symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that completely rebuilt place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five now proven predictable stages 
And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at each stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable. And I'm happy to share the stages if you'd like. Yeah, I think, again, I think, unfortunately, I think probably so many people are touched in some capacity. I think at, a, again, a high level, I know, you know, we're going to recommend they get your books. But yeah, please do, Debbie. Yeah, and they're all mapped out in trust again. Uh, it's what we teach within the PBT Institute. It's what all of our coaches are certified in. But here's sort of a boiled down version. So stage one is like a setup stage. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everyone, me too, was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, thinking and doing, and not really prioritizing the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. So if the table only has two legs, easy for a table to topple over, well, that's us. Stage two, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. This is the scariest out of every all the stages. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So this is, the, this is when you hear the news. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model, the rules that govern us, that prevent chaos. Don't go there, trust this person. This is how life works. And in one earth shattering moment, every rule you've held to be real and true is no longer. The bottom's bottomed out and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. This is terrifying, but think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive, right? And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Stage three, by far, hands down, is the most common place to get stuck. And here's why. Once we figured out how to survive our experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we think it's good. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we don't know there's a stage four, or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we plant roots here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self benefits. We get to be right. We get our story. You know, we have sympathy from everyone we tell our story to. So many benefits, right? So we plant deeper roots. On some level, that feels good. And now because we're here longer than we should be, now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So we plant deeper roots. We're not supposed to again, but we don't know that. Now, because these are the thoughts you're thinking, well, now this is the energy you're putting out. Like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. The misery loves company crowd, they come around now too. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go, right here we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks, but I have to get through my day. So right here we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, whatever. So think about it. We do it for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. Mike, I can see someone 20 years out and say, that drinking you're doing, that emotional eating, that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. 
It was happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Sure. Yep. Yeah. And I found, I mean, tr while trust again has the five stages, everyone is getting stuck in stage three. So from hardened to healed is just for stage three. It's like you owe it to yourself to move through it. You've been through the worst of it already. Anyway, if you're willing, willingness is a big word, to let go of the small self-benefits, everything you get from it, grieve more than the last bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo the, the, what happened, but I control what I do with it. Right there in that decision, you start turning the stress response down. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you were creating in stages two and stage three. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever. You know, all your stuff isn't there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. It's that like, oh, I think, okay, I think we got this. You know, this will be okay. It, that's what stage four feels like. But, but I found this really interesting. If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. Right? Like you don't take the things you've outgrown that don't represent who you want to be in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, right here, you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't rise, they don't come. Very common to outgrow friends in this stage. Anyway, when we make stage four, mentally cozy and home, we move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise, things like that. We didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now we do. The mind is healing. We're making new rules. We're making new boundaries based on the road we just traveled. And we have a new worldview based on everything we see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're, we're grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. And Debbie, two quick questions uh, before we talk about your books. One, has anybody else that you're aware of done sort of the in-depth study that you have done with this very specific topic? You know, the, when you're when you're doing a study, you have to find the holes in the literature and you have to find what hasn't been studied. So while betrayal certainly has been studied, sure. the lived experience, uh, the deep dive into the physical, mental, emotional, what goes on had not. And I'm always looking for the upside of things. So the idea of um, the, you know, what can you do with that and and that's that's what hadn't been studied and and I, listen i wasn't expecting those discoveries but i'm so glad for for yeah, me the world and, yeah, and everybody yeah. that that it showed up and that, yeah. that that leads me to my next question is so if someone's listening to this and, and and i think you've already articulated and given them hope but is there hope for everybody who's gone through betrayal in some capacity you know, even though they may not feel like it if they're listening to you today do you know that there is hope for that person? I know. Not only do I know that there's hope, it's predictable. I didn't do one thing that anyone else couldn't do. And I'll tell you, you know, rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move along. And that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something. And I'm talking from the absolute ground up new 
with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago as two transformed people, uh, we married each other again. New rings, new vows. <laughs> I saw that. I, re I read part of the of Trust Again, and I thought that was that was very, you know, that's... Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, that was um, what I see so many people avoiding is the complete and utter death and destruction of the old. But that's the only way you birth the new. So um, can can anybody rebuild? 100%. The roadmap is there. It's the five stages. There was no roadmap when I was doing it. Um, I wish there was, but at least now, you know, anybody's, anybody's uh, time frame can be shortened. And you know, because of it. Okay, so that roadmap is articulated and described in Trust Again, correct? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about Trust Again. Um, sure. it's, it's a relatively new book, right? How, a couple years old? A couple years old, and then From Hardened to Healed is even more recent, only because um, everybody was landing in stage three and staying there. Mm -hmm. okay. So it just felt like they needed, Trust Again maps out the entire experience, uh, but if someone finds themselves just stuck, now here's the thing, you can, find yourself in stage three, and it doesn't have to necessarily be from a big traumatic betrayal. It could be from a set of beliefs that just don't serve you. Like something as simple as, let's say you're a little kid and you have some earth shuddering news to share with mom and you race into the kitchen and she's on the phone and she shushes you, shush, right there. You could have made that mean I don't matter. Now you, you keep that going and you put some steam behind it with some emotion and some feeling, well, your mind wants to prove you right. So you can have a lifetime of relationships and things that happen that represent, I don't matter. So that's someone who's deeply stuck in stage three, just like the person who's been betrayed lands there and stays. It's a shame. And it's great that people like you have really made a study of it and really brought out a framework, a, a way of getting past this, because again, life's too short. And, uh, you know, if you can help people, um, I, you know, I'm all for that. So let's talk about trust again. Um, mm -hmm. Did you self-publish that book, Debbie, or what, did you go through a publisher? No, you know, Trust Again felt like an important book. Like, it, and, and listen, I've done six books and, and some are self-published and some are traditionally published. And this felt like the type of book that I needed an agent, needed a traditional publisher. Um, so I've done it where it's that hybrid. I've done self, I've done traditional publishing, but Trust Again to me felt like I just needed to go the traditional route with that one. And that's a very, the way you just, just described that, I totally get that. I have not gone self or traditionally published. A couple of times I've thought about the type of book that I thought needed to be, you know, traditionally mm -hmm. published versus self-published. Did it matter? Or did, now that you look back at it, like when you traditionally published, did it accomplish what you wanted it to accomplish that you thought it had to be? Not, no, it oh, didn't. Really? No, really? it didn't because, you know, and as you know, self-publishing is so much quicker. It's within your control. You yeah. can see your numbers, yeah. you, you know, things like that. So um, I, I don't regret it, sure. certainly, but um, but there are there there are pieces of it where it just didn't I didn't need to go to go that route. I, I, I it just felt like the right idea at the time. And I'm and I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. And it's hardcover and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I was so happy with self-publishing for, you know, for, for most of my other books. One, like I said, was hybrid, that it was such a good experience doing it that way. When I compare the two, um, I really enjoy self-publishing. Did you find, Debbie, again, this podcast is really meant to inspire others to do what you've done as far as being a book author. Mm -hmm. 
Did you find that even with the traditionally published book of Trust Again, it still, once it was done, it still fell on you and your team's back to really sell copies and get it out there? Or did the publisher uh, do all that for you? A hundred percent. I think that is one of the, the you know, initiations into being an author where you just <laughs> have that harsh realization that no one's going to promote this by you. I mean, listen, if it's a, a, a huge publisher, maybe it's a different experience. That wasn't the case with me. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's on, it's totally on you. But I really looked at uh, Trust Again as that's a book with a long game. It, it wasn't the type of thing that I was going for, you know, number one, and, and then that's it. This is the kind of book that, that hopefully um, will be referred to and around for a really, really long time. So it's it's something that I talk about all the time. And, you know, it wasn't like there was one book launch for it. No, it's continual. Right, right. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the topic that you are focused on will be with mankind forever. So whether, you know, probably That's long it. after we're gone that, you know, whether it's Trust Again or any of your other books, mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about the impact uh, it's made. Um, not so much because we know it's impacting your readers, without a doubt, but mm -hmm. how it's impacted you, the Institute, your business. What is the power of these books? Is there, is there one in particular you want to focus on there about as, as far as making the impact? Yeah, Trust Again, I think, made the biggest impact. I mean, uh, The Unshakable Woman and From Hardened to Healed were both number one Amazon international bestsellers. So that had a different kind of impact, but Trust Again was such a, a, a groundbreaking book because of the discoveries and all the research that went into it, all the other books I've written. It's, it, you know, it's just my experience that I want to share where Trust Again, I mean, that was sort of my PhD dissertation made reader friendly because I really looked at the experience like, you know, you have three people reading that and I put in <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of hours and that math just didn't feel good. So um, just the what sharing those discoveries was was really unique uh, in that book and also sharing my own personal story. And, you know, I, I sat on my I'm a very private person and and here I am sharing my story and everything. And, and I remember sitting the kids down thinking they were going to be like, oh, come on, mom. They were they were so behind all of it. And my biggest supporter was my husband. Um, and, and I mean, think about it here, an entire institute and business and brand has been birthed off of our experience. Um, but that's how, you know, someone's, <clears throat> excuse me, truly changed. Um, yeah. So trust again was for me, a big book for so many reasons. So can you describe Debbie, how, do, you know, how do you use it? So mm -hmm. how, you know, obviously it's for sale on Amazon. I'm sure you yeah, have yeah. it on your site, but is there any, are you using it? You're, you know, podcast guesting, but just different ways you've used trust again to yeah. elevate you and your business. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, just on a very, in a very um, niche kind of way, betrayal is one of those things that so often you struggle and suffer in silence because there's so much shame and embarrassment and humiliation. So I wanted a way for that person who's struggling, but doesn't seek support to at least have something. So that was a really important piece. Um, but I use it. I use it in everything. I mean, I speak all over and I still, you know, at the end, we'll have the table with the books and I'm proudly signing copies of it. And and um, and so it's used in that way. I refer to it all the time. Um, it's it's a part of 
my daily, you know, routine. I'm, I'm typically referring to it. Uh, yeah, I, I talk about it. My coaches, my certified coaches use it um, for research and, and information. Yeah, we use it a lot. Six books to date. And again, I'm assuming with the way the growth and, and what you're experiencing and the fact that, you know, I'm sure you're even learning more and more as you work with more and more people. Is there another book or is there more books coming just out of curiosity? Yeah, you know, I'm sure there are. I, I sort of write them when it hits me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really fun is doing the audiobook. So I've done I've done two audiobooks so far, and, and that's been a really interesting experience. And um it's really, I remember with From Hardened to Healed, at first I thought, well, it should be me because between the podcast and just people know my voice and they know me. And then I just, I would try to, because it was self-published, I didn't have an audio deal for From Hardened to Healed. I was like, okay, I'll do it myself. Well, I don't know how to edit audio and all of that. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just get um, a narrator. And so I listened to a hundred women's voices and none of them sounded remotely close to me and everything else. And so one of my brilliant uh, children, my sons, he said, mom, instead of paying for a narrator, well, why don't you just pay for an editor and you do it yourself? <laughs> I was like, oh, so I locked myself in my closet for a long weekend and and got the book done. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm happy with the experience with uh, Trust Again, the audio version and From Hard to Healed. And when the next book hits, I'll know. Audiobooks are uh, very challenging. Um, and mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. Again, I, yes. If you, the type of book you're writing, I think it really should be in your voice. There's sometimes I've actually done my own. I've actually had narrators, and I'm happy to let narrators do it because it's so painful. Uh-huh. But um, I think with your with your topic and your your type of book, I think it's it is important for you to be uh, doing it. But anyway, so what about Debbie? mistakes made or speed bumps either in the authoring the publishing or even the use of books that you'd want to warn someone who has yet to write that first book is there anything you'd want to warn that person you know the first thing that came to mind was i remember and this was probably with my second or third book and uh, i had an editor and i wasn't confident enough in my style and what she did was changed my style to sound like it wasn't even me. Like I, I, like I will write, I can't, I shouldn't. And she would write like, I cannot, I should not. That's just not me. So when I read it, it, it didn't sound right, but I just didn't have the confidence to, uh, to, to change, to, you know, to change it. So that was a mistake. The other thing is the cover is really, really important. And I have a, a funny story. So I remember with my first book, um, I, I was at a, a, a book event and Jack Canfield was there, you know, who sold hundreds of millions of copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul. So he said that he muscle tests covers of his books. And I was like, that's so interesting. But I really thought my cover was so wonderful. He says, who wants to muscle test their cover? So I said, oh, me. And I stood up there with my book. So imagine this is my first book. I'm not even telling you the name because I don't even want you to look it up. So I, I, I stood there and then he has someone facing me with their arms out to the side. And if it was a strong cover, their arms would remain strong. If not, Jack would press on their uh, hands and their arms would just come flying right down. Well, sure enough, every single person who looked at the cover, their arms were up, their arms came right down. So it showed that it was really, really weak. Well, when Jack Canfield kind of lets you know that your cover stinks, you take that seriously. So I changed it. Sure enough, it sold. Wow. 
Yeah. I haven't yeah. heard about that test. I have. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's he muscle tested all his that, covers. So that was that was interesting. That is interesting. And you're absolutely right. I mean, covers, title, I mean, all that, all, all these little bits and pieces are critical if you want to have maximum impact. So I wholeheartedly agree. Debbie, as we get ready to wrap up here, I'd love to hear just one tip, word, word of encouragement. Again, for someone maybe who has yet to write that first book, or maybe they're stuck, it hasn't happened yet. How would you encourage that person? Well, you know, I think it was uh, Wayne Dyer, who I just, I miss to this day. And I think he was the one who said, don't die with your music still inside you. You know, if there's, if there's a book to be written, even if it's just for yourself and your family, uh, get it out there, get it out. There's a reason why you wanted to write that book and don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be really big. The Unshakable Woman is my shortest book and it was an international number one bestseller. Uh, so whether you come up with a way that simplifies it for you, whether you just write an outline and then you do a chapter or I know people who speak their books and then and transcribe them. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I always I make a lot of decisions based on regret and I don't want to feel regret. So I look at it and I say, which which feels better getting it done, but it's a little bit more challenging or regretting or not doing it. And I just don't like that feeling. So I'll do what I need to do to get that done. You know, you're, you're obviously a guest on the Author Factor podcast, and I recently went through a rebrand of this podcast and changed the name because I really wanted to be able to, to articulate the power of being a business owner author and what it can do for you, what it can do for readers. I'd love to hear, Debbie, in your own words, what the Author Factor means to Debbie Silvers and, and you know, the people you serve in your business. Yeah. Well, first of all, I thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it, it's It's challenging to write a book, but I feel like it's the best way to truly showcase your message. Like just as a podcast is more than a soundbite. You know, how much do you get from a little, you know, little blip of a soundbite? But where a podcast, you can really express something and go much deeper. Well, a book does the same thing. And it really showcases you and your brand and your message and your messaging. And, uh, and I just think it's a great way to uh, to establish credibility, set you apart from anyone who's you know in your niche, and um, I'm all for it. Well, Debbie, this has been awesome, and I again I appreciate you taking some time in the beginning to you know just share some really powerful information for those that might need it. Can you share where listeners can find out more about you, your podcast, and your books? Yeah, thank you. Everything is at the PBT, as in post betrayal transformation, the PBTinstitute.com. Very good. Well, we'll link that. Uh, and again, Debbie, thank you very much. Thanks so much. And to my listeners, thank you. And if you found this podcast helpful, please help me grow by sharing with your network and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. Till next time, this is Mike Capuzzi. Thank you for listening to the Author Factor Podcast. To learn more about Mike's unique short book publishing opportunities, please visit bitesizedbooks.com.